Please be advised, nothing in this podcast should be taken as therapy, medical care, or mental health care advice. Topics discussed by the host and guests reflect their own personal experiences and are not intended to replace the services of medical or mental health professionals. And please know, if you are having any thoughts of self-harm or taking your own life, please call or text 988. Help is available 24-7. No matter what, in this journey of life, we all have something. Something we're going through, something we've been through, or maybe something we're proud of, something we're grateful for. I'm Rick Schwartz, life coach, public speaker, and all-around curious guy. And my life and my curiosity and the lives of the many people I have worked with have taught me time and time again, there are challenges to overcome and there are successes to celebrate. And honestly, neither one of them are permanent. You're listening to We All Have Something, a podcast about the human experience, about embracing what we have been through, where we are, and where we want to go. A podcast about celebrating our authentic self. And I am so glad you're here with me because we're going to laugh together, we're going to cry, and in the end, we will be the better for it. So let's get started. Welcome to episode one of We All Have Something. And you know, I really kicked around a lot of different things I could do for episode one, but I picked one of my most favorite topics, procrastination. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, the topic I could have put off until even season two, I'm opening season one with. And why am I opening season one with procrastination? Well, because I am a huge procrastinator myself. I have mastered that skill back in grade school and have continued to show off my mastery of procrastination for the rest of my life. In this episode, I want to cover what it, what is it? What is procrastination? Why do we do it? And then I think we're going to wrap it all up with what's probably most important. How do we stop doing it? Uh, I can say I have gotten better at not doing it as often. But let's just say the procrastination is strong with this one. So I still sometimes find myself doing the wrong things. But first of all, I want you all to rest assured as you're listening to this, I am most certain you have procrastinated before and possibly even recently. Because according to the statistics here in the United States, 95% of us procrastinate. So yay, yay us, we're, we're not alone, <laughs> we're normal, or at least if not normal, we're, we're in the majority, right? So why do we do it? Why do we put off till tomorrow what we could do today? And of course, that is a play on the saying, do not put off until tomorrow what you could do today. I found that I started procrastinating, I mean, if we really look back at it, back in grade school, I have dyslexia, which if you're not familiar with that, it, it could mean a wide variety of things. There's a lot of different um, sort of versions of types of dyslexia. Dyslexia is kind of a, a big, broad term. Uh, for me, though, reading and writing have always been incredibly challenging uh, because of the way my brain processes language. And of course, in grade school, when you're learning language, you're learning spelling, you're learning all the words and the vocabulary, I really struggled. And it became sort of a pain point. I didn't like the way that felt, seeing my peers be able to do this task quite easily, which is a task I found nearly impossible to do. And of course, as you make your way then into middle school and high school, reading is an essential part of all learning. You know, there's math problems. Uh, You have to understand the math problems and and all that. If you get even just a little bit wrong, you'll do the equation wrong. 
science, biology, history, uh, social studies, you know, just about everything but but PE <laughs> required the ability to read and comprehend uh, at a normal level. And that was something I found very difficult. And so doing schoolwork, doing homework was where I really just put the nice sharp edge in my skill of procrastination. Even at an age where I was further out of school and I had learned to work with and manage and work around my dyslexia, I still maintained the really bad habit of procrastination. I was I was really a star at it and still am. I have researched it enough that I, I have found ways to try to work through it and with some success sometimes and other times not so much, just kind of depends. Sometimes it's the deadline that makes me push through it. But overall, uh, it is still something I can manage to do. And I am, I'm pretty self-reflective. So as I try to improve myself and have some personal and professional growth, I, I'm curious. I'm curious as to why do I do this? So I started looking into it more and more. And one of the things I uncovered last year, was March of uh, 2019, was this article from the New York Times, Why Do You Procrastinate? It Has Nothing to Do With Self-Control. Okay, interesting enough. It opens up with, it's self-harm. And that's in quotes uh, from Dr. Steele, a professor of motivational psychology at the University of Calgary. He's written a book, The Procrastination Equation, How to Stop Putting Things Off and Start Getting Stuff Done. I read this whole article twice. And I thought this guy's fascinating. I've got to buy his book. I'm going to buy his book. And that was a year ago. So, hey, procrastination... One point, <laughs> me getting stuff done, no points. But we'll get more into this article. And I, you know, I'm going to read uh, different things from this article because, again, it's just some really fascinating things here that when I read them, I was like, oh, that makes complete sense. And so let's break apart what it is here. Uh, the article goes on to say that self-awareness is a key part of why procrastinating makes us feel so rotten. When we procrastinate, we're not only aware that we're avoiding a ta the task in question, but also that doing so is probably a bad idea. And yet, we do it anyway. There's another doctor who quoted here, uh, Dr. Sirosi. Siros, I'm sorry if I say your name wrong. The, again, dyslexia, what are you going to do? I, Sir, uh, Sirois? I, I'm not sure. I'm sorry. I'll move on. This is why we say that procrastination is essentially irrational, says Dr. Sirois. He is a professor of psychology at the University of Sheffield. It doesn't make sense to do something you know is going to have negative consequences. I mean, yes, from the outside, it seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? That you would be purposely putting yourself in a position where you have to panic or not get something done. Therefore, and if it's something that needs to get done, clearly not doing it is going to be a bad idea. Something, something negative should happen. This doctor adds people engage in irrational cycle of chronic procrastination because of the inability to manage negative moods around the task. That part really blew my mind because I'm like, okay, that makes sense. As a kid, I would not want to do my homework, even though I knew I would have to deal with angry parents and angry teachers for not doing my schoolwork. It is, I, I couldn't manage the negative moods around the task of schoolwork, which was, and the negative moods, of course, was because of dyslexia. I didn't feel I was good enough. It goes on to say, procrastination is not a unique character flaw or mysterious curse on your ability to manage time, but a way of coping with challenging emotions and negative moods induced by certain tasks. And these tasks could be boredom, 
or the, I'm sorry, these, these moods could be boredom, anxiety, insecurity, frustration, resentment, self-doubt, and beyond. Well, there's a list, huh? <laughs> I mean, it starts to make sense now when you start to look at it from that point that there's a the task you're avoiding brings out these moods. These moods are negative. You don't want to feel that way, so you move on to something else that you do feel more positive and rewarded about. It makes complete sense. Another doctor mentioned in the article here, procrastination is an emotion regulation problem, not a time management problem. This is Dr. I believe it's Seichel or Peichel, professor of psychology and member of procrastination research group at Carleton University in Ottawa. Both this doctor and the one I previously mentioned, and again, I'm not going to try and say names because I feel bad butchering people's names. I, I could call these people up and find out how to properly say their names. I would, and maybe, maybe I could, but I'll probably put that off too. Either way, these two doctors did a study in 2013 and found that procrastination can be understood as a primacy of short-term mood repair over the long-term pursuit of intended actions. Put simply, procrastination is about being more focused on the immediate urgency of managing negative moods than it is getting on with the task. Again, wow. I mean, it makes complete sense now, right? You, you're looking at the immediate moment. The particular nature of our aversion to negative tasks or negative things you know, it's, it makes more sense now that we would, even though we logically can see the negative outcome that's going to come in the future for not doing this, in the moment we get overridden with wanting to go ahead and do something that feels easier or feels better that doesn't give us doubt or anxiety or insecurity. It kind of goes like putting off some people, uh, you have to write an essay or a paper. I remember putting that off forever, you know, the feeling of staring at that blank screen or that blank piece of paper and just having to start was bad enough, you know, and, and feeling like I'm just going to make a, a mess of it anyways and get frustrated. So why even start? So going back to the article, all of this can lead us to think that putting the document or task aside that we want to work on is just the best idea and going to do something that we know we have control over is going to make us feel good. Of course, it only compounds the negative associations, though, that we have with the task. And those feelings will still be there whenever we come back to do it, along with increased stress and anxiety and feeling of low self-esteem and self-blame because we haven't gotten the project done yet. I mean, it's a vicious cycle. And, and the article goes on here to talk about how it's sort of this self-blaming thought process that occurs in the wake of the procrastination. It's They refer to it as procrastinatory cognitions. It's the thoughts we have about procrastination, typically exasperating our own distress and stress, which then continue to basically further the procrastination because it just makes us feel bad that the thing even exists. It goes on. This part here, I start to understand it even further on why. It still doesn't make complete sense at this point, but but just listen. It says, but the momentary relief that we feel when procrastinating is actually what makes the cycle especially vicious. In the intermediate present, putting off the task provides relief. Essentially, you are rewarding yourself for procrastinating because you have that sense of relief. The doctors go on to say, we know from basic behaviorism, and, and I can say this makes sense too as someone who's worked so long in animal behavior, we're rewarded for something we tend to do it again. So this is precisely why procrastination tends not to be a one-off behavior. Again, from the article, but a cycle, one that becomes 
a chronic habit. Now, let's talk briefly about habits. I learned from my own experience and dealing with having set myself up with chronic bad habits that you can't just stop doing it. You can't outthink doing a chronic bad habit. You have to start breaking down why you do the habit, what's triggering the habitual behavior, and then what can you replace that wrong or bad habit with. It has to be another habit. You have to consciously choose to redirect yourself to do something different each time the stimulus occurs that creates that habitual response. It's not easy. It's not something that you can just go, okay, I'm going to stop doing this today. Now, seeing how procrastination is essentially a part of a chronic habit behavior, it makes more sense why we keep doing it. And they explain it here, and they say, if it seems ironic that we procrastinate to avoid negative feelings, but end up feeling even worse, that's because it is. And once again, we have evolution to thank. (laughs) Yay, ancestors. Procrastination is a perfect example of present bias. Our hardwired tendency to prioritize short-term needs ahead of long-term ones. And now that that one line alone right there, that one line alone from this article really makes you kind of have an aha moment. If you start thinking about how we as humans have a hard time associating with these things that are off in the future or distant in the sense that maybe not right in front of us, we don't understand it. And there's a lot of things I'm thinking about when it comes to ecology and conservation and how if we don't see it right in front of us, we we don't see or feel the urgency, even if we have facts that show us uh, what's happening. Yeah, I'm going to read that line again. It's just so good. Procrastination is a perfect example of present bias, our hardwired tendency to prioritize short-term needs ahead of long-term ones. Now, there's one more quote here that brings us home that, that we're going to start. We'll shift now to looking at how we can solve getting through procrastination. But this one here, this, this is amazing. Dr. Hirschfield, uh, Hal Hirschfield from UCLA Anderson School of Management says, we really weren't designed to think ahead into the further future because we needed to focus on providing for ourselves in the here and now. Now, He continues to, to go on here. His research has shown that on a neural level, okay, so in the neurons, we perceive our future selves more like strangers than a part of ourselves. When we procrastinate, parts of our brains actually think that the task we're putting off and the accompanying negative feelings that await us on the other side of this are somebody else's problem. Wow. Holy. <laughs> when you put it into perspective like that, when you, you look at it that we are hardwired at some level in our brains that when we put something off, we assume it's not us, the body's like, this is for somebody, this is somebody else's problem. Now, turn, I'm going to turn the dial on that a little bit, change a little bit of perspective. This also helps me understand why it's so hard when we set goals for ourselves that are a year out, even six months out maybe, you know, but most goals are usually a year to three years out for most people. Sometimes it's a five-year plan, but it explains then or shows why it's so hard to stick to trying to achieve your goals when they're that far out. If you don't don't have short-term markers in place, A, we recognize that procrastination has rewarded us short in the short term, and we come back to it because of that short-term reward. That shows us that short-term rewards are important. So when you set a big goal, and then the first reward you get is going to be getting that goal done, then A, you are making plans in your mind that you, on a 
sort of certain level perceive as plans for someone else's success, for somebody else to do this. This is, I'm doing this work for somebody else, not the me right here and now. So there's a barrier right there to reaching your goal. The other part of it too is we clearly need short-term rewards ongoing throughout the process. Otherwise, we don't come back to it. So the goal strategy I talk a lot about is so important. These short steps to get rewards through the process on the long end. I think it's amazing work. I think it's really really amazing research. And, you know, that takes us into the next part of this. We're going to break real quick for a commercial here. And when I come back, we will talk about how to push through and fight back on your procrastination. This audio podcast, We All Have Something, is brought to you by Your Perspective. Make sure you check your perspective every 20,000 steps or every week, whichever occurs first, to make sure your perspective is properly aligned with your life, goals, and passion. Now, back to the show. All right, so we have covered a lot. (laughs) We've covered, we have covered a lot that this article offers from several different doctors that really kind of break down procrastination. And so then now that we can kind of see why it's done, or at least through the lens of these folks that here that study it, uh, it kind of gives me a different view on how to handle it. Like I said, I found this article that I pulled all this from about a year ago, and it has helped. Uh, A big part of what I was doing for myself a year ago is really starting to coach myself and mentor myself through a lot of the bad habits and things that I had created a lot of stress in my life because I wasn't, I wasn't approaching and, and working myself through what we call life in a a thoughtful enough way and considering uh, how I needed more balance. And so looking this over, I kind of already mentioned how I kind of realized that it's about the rewards that procrastination gives us in the short term. It's about not really recognizing the person we see in the future, we we think just in the moment about things, and then how that basically set me on a path to all the things that caused stress and issues about a year ago. And so I've had some time to digest this, but I want to also share with you a couple things I found as I kept looking and researching more uh, into changing habits that are bad into habits that are good and, and trying to get over procrastination. One person, Vanessa Loader, she studies human behavior and mindset. She had offered up that you pick one thing, pick one thing that you're procrastinating on, and then in your mind, just create sort of a laser focus that this is the number one priority and it needs to get done. Even if you only work on it for five to 10 minutes at a time, that in that five to 10 minutes of time, you must focus on it. Now, the piece that I offer up in addition to that, because I really believe in the power of breaking things down into smaller pieces to get it done. Again, because we recognize ourselves in the moment, in those short pieces, and then we get that immediate reward as far as, look, I got this done. I planned on getting this much done. I got this much done. And that's what I would say in, in her like laser focus five to 10 minutes is also plan on how do you give yourself recognition for getting that done. It sounds silly patting yourself on the back for five to 10 minutes of laser focus work. But honestly, if you're a hardcore procrastinator on a project that needs to get done, this is how you're going to work through it. She also uh, takes it a bit further. She says, give yourself a power hour. Put away all distractions, get rid of everything that's possibly going to distract you, and then set in 
for one hour, two hours max of working directly on whatever it is, the project is you're procrastinating on, and then take a break, then stop, hard stop, take a break, go do something else altogether. Again, she's approaching this from taking small steps or small chunks to getting the full thing done. Don't make it, uh, uh, you have to get everything done in that hour, have to get everything done in two hours. Just set aside that power hour to get done what you can and then and step up and do it. One of the other ones that made me laugh, and I had to share this too, is uh, <laughs> is the let it go technique. And I was like, oh, what's that about? Well, her let it go technique is really, you have to decide, maybe this, whatever it is, I just, I'm just not going to do it. And you literally let it go. You decide, I'm just not going to do it. And it alleviates the pressure for procrastination because it now no longer exists, which that may or may not be a choice for things like, I don't know, college term papers or a project at work, something like that. One other person that I've I've read a lot of her material, looked up a lot of her stuff, her name is Mel Robbins. And she's done a wide variety of things. She started off as a, a radio host and talk show host, but she's really on her own path of trying to figure out how to get through procrastination and fear and stress and anxiety. And she talks about it in her book and some of her other talks about it was debilitating anxiety and stress that she pushed herself through, uh, well, dealt with, medicated, and then eventually figured out how to push herself through. And she has what she calls the five-second rule. And the essentially, the idea is that you have to count down from five because if you count up, you can keep counting. But once you count down to five and you get to that blast off, that is, that's the go. And if you're like, okay, I need to get this done. And as soon as you have that thought, you just go into five, four, three, two, one, and start doing it. Because her thought process is if you, I need to get this done, but do I really have time for it now? Or should I get this done instead? She says it only takes a few seconds for your mind to immediately go into protective mode and avoidance mode from whatever it is you're procrastinating on. And your mind will come up with a million different distractions and things you should do and reasons why you shouldn't do what you really set out to do. So hers is essentially just that five-second rule. She's got a book by that title, Mel Robbins' Five-Second Rule. Uh, if you haven't read it or listened to it and this type of stuff interests you, I highly recommend it. I've got her book, and uh, I've, I, again, listened to a couple of her, her talks and presentations she has on YouTube. But in a nutshell, you know, to, to kind of recap here, uh, procrastination is actually a much bigger beast than I think many of us give it credit for. I know growing up, I know in college, and up until last year, when I really started to kind of look at this and pick it apart, in my head, procrastination was just kind of being lazy. And I guarantee you, the odds are you're not lazy. There are things out there you get done quickly, you get done well, you get done efficiently. You know, the odds of you not getting particular things done due to procrastination aren't because you're lazy. But if we don't know that, then that's sure what it looks like to us or others. And so we accept then, well, I must be lazy. And that's when the inner voice can really be so damaging. And sometimes that inner voice that you have telling you you're lazy, or you just can't do this, or, oh, there I am, I'm a procrastinator, that may not be your voice. You know, there's other research out there that shows while we're growing up in our, our formative years where things kind of take hold in our life, in our childhood, all the way up till about 21 to 23 years old. The things people say to us, especially if they're people that we hold in high regard, our parents or other adults in our life, teachers, uh, a professor could say a one-off to you about, oh, well, you didn't turn your paper in again. You're kind of lazy this week, huh? That little one-off probably in that exchange didn't mean much, but it's going to seal into your subconscious as you're kind of lazy when you don't do stuff. And 
that then becomes part of the inner dialogue you play inside your head when you become an adult. And we cannot decipher between the dialogue that we were given by others and the dialogue that's truly ours, and it melds together and becomes our voice, our inner voice. And so we start to believe it. And part of my coaching and part of what I talk about often with people is let's, let's be thoughtful about the words we're using when we describe ourselves. There is a lot of power in those words. And again, so many times it is just something that we have picked up subconsciously. We don't even realize the power behind it. But if you start with, well, I'm just lazy. That's why I procrastinate. Or, well, I've procrastinated all my life. I'm just, I'm just a procrastinator. It's just what I do. You need to break that mold. You need to change that dialogue. And I think articles like the one I just cited and, and talked about and the, the authors out there and the people who study this work and, and give us tools to get through procrastination really puts it into perspective that it's not us being lazy, it's not us being just natural procrastinators, that we created a habit loop, a tightly closed habit loop that constantly rewards in the short term our procrastination. And then psychologically, in our brain, we don't see the problems we're causing for our future selves as being our problem. They are someone else's problem. And that to me, puts clarity into it that it's a matter of our perspective. It's a matter of how we're approaching this project, this paper, this whatever it is we have to do, washing the dishes, mowing the lawn, whatever it may be. And because of the way we are hardwired to thrive in these short-term rewards, we need to approach big projects in short steps. And it does take some planning. It does take some thought process, but you can get yourself out of that bad habit loop and start creating a good habit loop. And that's where, you know, for me, you know, keeping myself accountable is so important. And for others, having someone else help keep you accountable is going to be so important. Uh, Yeah. And that's, and that's, (laughs) I don't want to sound like a commercial for my coaching, but that's what I do as a coach. I see it. I see the importance of accountability. If you can't find it in someone in your life that can hold themselves accountable or that is good at staying on top of projects and and tasks, you know, then you might want to look at hiring a coach and seeing what can be done there. Uh, Even if it's just for accountability purposes and helping you structure things in small steps, because there's great value in that. And that's going to be a wrap for our very first episode of We All Have Something. I cannot thank you all enough for tuning in or plugging in, tapping the screen. How do you listen to your podcast? I don't know. Pushing the play button. I do need to ask, though, a big favor. If you are a new listener, I would really appreciate you hitting subscribe on whatever platform you are listening on. And another thing I want to ask, too, if you do happen to go to my website, if you're interested, I do a newsletter. It goes out twice a month. Uh, the 1st and 15th of every month, there's a little newsletter. If you're on my website, you are welcome to go to the bottom of the homepage and you click on subscribe, enter your email. And I guarantee you, it's just me, just like this podcast. It's just me (laughs) doing all this to get this information out and connect with people and hopefully make it so everybody has time to enjoy the life they have been given just a little bit more. So with that, I've got to say, have a good one, everybody.